Good morning, everybody. Good evening for those that are listening online. That means you're here at 6.30 coming online. We want to thank you for joining us. Uh, this is Living Hope, and my name is Pastor Mona Stevens, and we're doing a series called Not not from here. Uh, for us in person, we know that God has been coming to get us as a kingdom congregation, a community of believers. He's been coming to get where and what we stand for, um, what we are resolving, and what purpose brings us to point A to point B. And like we heard this morning, uh, where do we put our hope? Um, so thank you for joining us today, and I'm glad that you have um, visited and come and have followed this series. I hope that God blesses you. And for all those that are here today, you made an, uh, a conscious choice to move beyond all that we are going through at this present state in this area and say, God, I'm just coming. I'm showing up this morning. I'm showing up. You got something for me. Did you come waiting for something? Are you anticipating that God can speak to you and that he wants to speak to you? Because that's, that's, that's his heart. Because his son did what he ever had to do to, in order for us to have a relationship with him, he has created a path for us 24-7 to confidently go to his throne. We have access to so many wonderful things. But when we are uh, just depending on the here and now, we don't actually understand this whole concept that we're not from here. And, and it's, it's amazing because throughout all the whole scriptures, you see so many different individuals that are explaining that they are strangers here. I, we have one in First Chronicles 29, 15 that says this, for we are strangers before you and sojourners as all our, fa our fathers were. Our days on earth are like what? A shadow. And, our, and there is no abiding. So sometimes we put so much stock on all the things we have or don't have, our likes or dislikes or preferences, and that we, we create a reality that it's all about here and the now. <clears throat> to find ourselves a little bit, actually, sorry, I got a frog in my, my throat, <clears throat> a little bit discouraged and experiencing uh, deep discontent and sadness um, and sometimes despair. Uh, we do find ourselves in that place at times because we don't really realize that we're only here for a short time and that we should set our minds on what is important. What is important? Uh, now, Matthew 6 tells us, 19.20 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroys and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in or steal. We also understand that we live for just, like I said, a short time here, and that our future is the hope of anticipating that Christ is coming back. We know, if we know prophetically what he says in the word of God, that Jesus is coming back. And that's why we brought this, this uh, other uh, Bible study on Sunday evening, is to show you how so many things are already falling into play. And so many of us, because we live in the here and now, because we don't have God's mindset or his point of view, we've lost sight of our primary concern as a believer, as a citizen of heaven. We should be actually concerned about the cause of Christ and pushing that forward and advancing the kingdom of God forward. But for us, we are so consumed with the worry and anxiety and the anxiousness of the day-to-day -day living that we 
kind of actually store up things that we shouldn't be storing up. Now, we know that we, we said last week that we had to create, we have to develop a mindset because a lot of us were very earthly bound, all right? Earth really defines and dictates and has a strong voice of authority in our life to tell us what it is that we should be thank, uh, thankful for and faithful to and so on and so forth. But the scripture says we have to be spiritually minded. We have to have a heavenly perspective if we want to experience all that we need in here where we're living right now. And that's why we talked about while we wait, we share the experience of many people in the Bible, but this one in particular that we talked about last week was Abraham. Abraham 11, 9 to uh, 10, he knows that he's not from here, and this is why you know this. He says, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents. You see, he didn't, for him, it wasn't about, you know, kingdoms and all of these things because he lived in tents because he was an heir of the same promise. He says, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. How would you consider your life, your troubles right now, at work, at home, in your marriage, all that you're going through, if we have this mindset that we are looking forward to the city, that we want, that we understand that God is the architect and the builder of all things, so why should we worry and be anxious of so many things here on earth? We had a quote last week that said, all who have a living faith in Jesus Christ enjoy and an eternal citizenship in heaven, even if we do not presently experience the realities of this citizenship in full. Now, this is, we talked about the now but not yet example, this transition that we're in between two worlds. Now, my son, I can give you an example. My son, uh, my youngest son, Dan, graduated as a nurse, an LPN, in June. I remember the months in between from graduating to officially getting his license were several months. He was in between, and he couldn't actually experience the full measure of his license until he got it, which was at the end of September. So he could nurse, but he wasn't officially a nurse yet. This in-between time where something happens, but its effects have not yet been realized. And this is where we sit today as Christians. We know that in heaven, many things are already settled, but we are living here as pilgrims, as sojourners, temporary residents here. And if we are always earthly bound, that means we let earth and the, the view and the values of this society uh, uh, cause us to make decisions and choices according to it, then we have lost sight and we don't have that kingdom mentality. Philippians 3.20 says to us, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever been in this position where you're eagerly awaiting for something? What about if we chose to turn the way we think on the things that we do on a daily basis, and we start eagerly awaiting Christ's coming. Would that change the way you say, you, you say things, the way you do things, the way you respond, the way you react? If Christ was coming tonight, would I make my day totally different? Of course. 
But we don't live like that because we're very earthly minded and not spiritually minded. And that's why Paul is telling us, you're a citizen of heaven. Remember that all that God has given you through his son is yours today, but you can't experience all of it yet, but it will come. So keep your eyes in the right place, focus in the right place. And while we wait, we are asking God to help us to set our minds on things above. What that means is that we get good at seeking heaven's viewpoint on any given matter. Now, this is something that I, this is what I usually do when I counsel and when I realign people, this is what I usually spend my time doing. You come to me with an earthly viewpoint. And because you've embraced that earthly viewpoint, there's a lot of consequences. Ouch. And so what I need to do is to bring you God's perspective, that heavenly perspective in this matter. And when I do, you have to either choose to say, yes, I believe this or no. Now we understand that God, the scripture says, and I think it's further down and I'm, I don't know if she can get it, but when we live according to the flesh, this is what Romans eight, five and six says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds, what set on what the flesh desires. It's a worldly perspective that we think that we can bank on when making decisions. And then he says, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mindset on what the, the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is what? But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Many of us don't have life or peace. We don't have authority in our marriages, in our life, and in our place of work because we have so been caught up with this earthly mindset that we don't realize what we have. So before I even go to all of that, I need to make sure that all of you are in this kingdom. All right? So how do we become citizens of heaven? John 3, 3 says this, Jesus replied, verily, truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless we are born again. So when you are born again by faith in Jesus Christ, at that very moment, you were born into a kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. Not only that, but you become a new creation. There is so many things that is yours that we sometimes, when we don't get the whole package, then we are mostly walking earthbound because we think that's the only option we have. But when we start seeing the whole package of what Jesus gave us, through the cross and the resurrection, we start wanting to develop God's viewpoint on how we live out life in any given matter. Now, he says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. And according to Romans 6, 4, we have a new life. And so while we are waiting, the in-between, we are given a new life. We are given victory. We are given everything that we need to walk this life. The moment you placed your faith in Christ alone for salvation, God implanted a new nature deep within your being. Knowing who you are in Christ should completely change your reference point. 
But many of us, we've been saved for years, but our reference point is not changed. It's still what we want, how we want it, and when we want it. And then we wonder why that scripture is, is, is true in Romans. Flesh brings death and destruction. And so we follow through on what we feel, what we've been told, what we've seen modeled our parents do. Instead of getting God's point of view and how to raise our children, we go to worldly friends to give us wisdom. My goodness. And we lean on our own understanding when it comes to our marriage. What about God's point of view? What about him saying, listen, you're a new creation, Mona. Why are you going back to this place of suspicion and distrust when I have given you freedom to love like I have loved you? But yes, no, we have our own point of view when it comes to living out life. And really, truly, that mindset, when we live it through the viewpoint of the world and the worldview, then we are really, truly earthly bound. And no wonder we have very little influence in changing and navigate through our circumstances. As we journey with God in this life, we are asked to be kingdom-minded. As Christians, we grapple with this concept, and we really don't understand what does it really mean to be kingdom-minded. It's really about seeking at the right place. See, Christ himself had said, we should seek the kingdom first. Well, he says in Matthew 6, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, his point of view, his way, his thoughts. And then he says, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And the more we seek God's point of view in anything, the more we become kingdom-minded. Now, could it be because we're so earthly bound and so stuck in our fleshly desires, because really, truly, that's where earth will always bring us to the flesh things. You know, I just want to be heard. I just want people to know how much they've, they've, they've hurt me. Beloved, everybody suffers. But as citizens of heaven, our viewpoint, how we make decisions is not according to everybody. It's according to him. So we need to understand that we need to set our hearts on things above when we are going through what we're going through. Colossians 3, 1, 2 says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds in the things above, not on earthly things. Set your minds on things above, not, not, I said it twice. Ah, maybe you needed to hear it twice. So I did it twice there. So where do I seek for my answers of life? That's what you need to ask yourself. Where do you go when you're in trouble? When you're frustrated, angry, unforgiving, unloving, when you are shut down, withdrawn, and doing the ostrich. Where are you going? If I am a citizen of heaven and I am now in a different kingdom, should I not seek my king about what what this answer should be, how I should be responding and acting? But beloved, I am telling you, while we wait, we find ourselves following somebody else's voice. There are authority. Now, the king should have full authority in my life. He belong, It's his kingdom. He brought me in and welcome, welcomed me into his kingdom with all the privilege, every right. But he should have the final authority. 
But you know what I see, even in my life at times, is that the final authority is my fears. The final authorities are my past events that have dictated who and what and when I'm going to let anybody in. The final authority is what I thought I should get in my marriage, and I didn't. And so I stay discontent and disgruntled. I'm not any of those two. But just in case you think I'm saying that. But so we have final authorities in our life that causes us to build on viewpoints that have nothing to do with God. I believe the reason we don't seek his kingdom when our backs are against the wall or even in our everyday lives as we wait is because we fail to truly grasp what it is to be a citizen of heaven. Matthew 13, 14 says, the kingdom of heaven is described as a valuable hidden treasure which is worth more than all that one owns. And something that should be sought after like a merchant in a search of pearls of great price. Do we search the kingdom things? Do we search the kingdom of heaven for those valuable hidden treasures that are ours through Christ? See, one of those pearls of great price is God's point of view in regards to this truth. Galatians 2.20. If you get this, beloved, don't, 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 don't fall asleep at this moment. Because I can guarantee you, if you get this pearl, this can change the way you do life. You, you'll change automatically from God's point of view instead of your point of view. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is just not that Christ is in me, but that he is living in us. You see, we know he indwells, but we don't understand that he's living in us. The difference between these two helps us to live victoriously while we wait for our Savior to come. You see, wherever I go, because he dwells with me, I'll never be alone for the rest of my life. People may fail me. People will betray me. People will reject me. But my God did not because he settled this and he sealed me with the promised Holy Spirit. He dwells in me. But it doesn't finish there. He lives in me. So that means whenever I am going through my troubles, if I go and I relate to his life in me and I get his point of view, which really truly where the word of God comes into play, if I get his point of view in this, then I am living life with him. I'm releasing him. See, when we say Christ is in us, it it should bring us tremendous security. Look what we're living But as Christ living in you, dwelling in you, hasn't brought you security. Don't answer. Because so many of us, we have casted our confidence elsewhere. We have self-preserved continuously. It was always about us. When our husbands fail us, do we realize that we are secure even though they don't lead well? When our wives are rebellious and unsubmitted, Do you know that you have safety with God in leading your wife out of darkness? 
Do you not understand that while he's living in you, you have everything. You have the mind of Christ. You have a new heart, a new family, new resources. You have a new identity. And all of these things are yours as citizens of heaven in the now. You might not yet experience all of it, but the more you let the life of Jesus live this out in you, getting his point of view instead of your point of view, because really, it's really about our point of view, isn't it? We just want to be right. But what does that bring you every time? Death and destruction. Are you not tired? You see, when we, we stop obeying the voice of fear in making decisions, and we start seeking and developing heaven's point of view when these things happen, you need to understand the power and authority that will come to you in that moment will be something you do not forget. And it will cause you to want to actually develop that mindset. So many of us, we make decisions without even considering God in the, act, in, in, in the middle of it. We put our confidence in our own strength. We confidently rely on ourselves and not rely on the life. You see, when, when, when we talk about having relationship and fellowship with, with, with God, well, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, three in one. The Holy Spirit is living in me, and I'm doing life with him. I'm doing life with him. And so I need to ask myself, am I allowing him to show me how to live out this life? It always comes back to that. And that's why I, when, when he says in Galatians 2.20, he says, it's no longer I who live. The I is my point of view, my mindset. But Christ that lives in me, now he says, it's not me now living, it's Christ telling me how to live this out. We must come to grips with this reality. Jesus doesn't just want to dwell in you, he wants to live in you. This has nothing to do in how you serve and whatever you think you need to do to keep yourself strong because that's self-reliance. It has everything to do to be spirit-reliant. He says to move, to let Jesus to move in and settle down and fully express himself through your life. That's the exchange life. Yes, he dwells in me, but I want to exchange my life for his life when I'm faced with danger. I want to exchange his life, my life for his life when I'm faced with betrayal, when I'm faced with pain and hurt and deep, deep disappointment. I want to change my point of view to his point of view because when I do that, I walk victoriously. I walk with authority. I walk in ways that I've never walked before, able to influence, able to change people in ways that I know that my mere words cannot change this. It becomes supernatural in measure. And yes, there are times while we wait, we might not get it all right. But if we never let the life of Christ dwell and have its being, then we will always be earthly bound. See, we need to allow Christ to live out his life through you. And that is the foundation of our spiritual growth. And it is the reason why we keep on wanting to develop a heavenly perspective. Why is it that I have to repeat myself with things that are so clear in the scriptures? The Bible says in Proverbs 6 that he hates discord. 
or gossip or slander. Why is it that I have to repeat God's point of view? It's because you've never figured out that letting him live in your life, that means you would not be able to obey those promptings anymore. The desires of the flesh will always do the opposite of what God is asking. See, the tragedy is that a lot of Christians who are going to heaven are not growing in Christ here on earth because they are not allowing him to fully make his home in their hearts. Oh, they let him here, there. No, 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 there. No, 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 there. And then we wonder why we're not moving forward and why people are not seeing who he is. They treat Christ the way they treat their guests. They invite their guests in. They say, oh, make yourself at home, but don't disrupt my schedule. Don't move around. Don't stay too long. And if you do, just actually stay there. Don't mess anything up. But to make Jesus Christ at home in our hearts, we need to have, we need to let him run the run of the house. We need to let him have the run of the house. How do you think he shows us that we don't let him? Events, people, situations, trials, things that are happening. You just have to ask yourself, oh, what point of view did I have on that one? I ran with fear. I was anxious. I was frustrated. I became angry. I couldn't give grace. Well, who do you think you ran to in that? And so we need to ask him, God, come and have all of my house. Christ indwells every believer, but his presence is not alive and vital in all believers. You will see some that his presence is vital, it's, it's, it's alive, it's vibrant. You know that God is moving through them. See, when we allow him to move through us and take possession of the whole house, there's something that changes from the inside out. We don't look the same way. We don't respond the same way. We don't act the same way. And I don't need people to keep on reminding me to stop walking where I shouldn't. You see, when people say, well, just keep me accountable. Nah, you already got the truth. The Holy Spirit should be keeping you accountable. Are you listening? Are you listening? Yet I've met many frustrated Christians over the years trying so hard to live out this Christian life in their own strength. It's sad to see. God never asked you to be a Christian in your own power, but we think we have to. The good news is that he offers his son's life to live his life in you, but he does expect you to yield when he's actually showing you something. Many of us, we know that we shouldn't be like this with our husbands, but we still do it. Many of us, we know that we actually shouldn't be doing this or that, but we still do it. Why is it? Because it's your, your earthly bound. But once you get God's point of view on that, now it's about actually obedience. This is where the obedience comes into play. If he is your king, you would know he has everything you need. But I think that's what we don't get. And that's why we're so earthly minded, because we don't get that he gave us the whole package. See, having a kingdom mindset helps you live out life the way he wants, not yours. 
When you receive Christ, you got the whole package. He is your reference point because he's given you a new identity, a new starting point. But where, why have we not understood that? Well, I think it's, that's, that's the progression of faith. That's what our journey does, is that God gives us a measure and he gives us a seed. That seed needs to grow, beloved. But every time we go to our viewpoint, the seed doesn't grow. The measure of faith doesn't grow. So we're stuck doing the same thing over and over again. And now, not only are we doing the same thing over again, now we have unbelief. We cast doubt on God. God's not good. He'll never provide. He won't. He won't. So he can't. He, if he's not going to give me my provision, then I'm just going to do the way I'm going to do. But beloved, nobody sees God go through you. Nobody sees the power of God. Through Jesus, he says, this is, there's nothing that is in his will for you right now that he cannot accomplish through you. Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Is God asking you to do something, to step out in faith, to do exactly what he showed you? He's already showed you his point of view. Forgive, love, be kind, be compassionate, pray, bless them. He showed you his point of view, but your point of view just looks a little bit too, looks a lot better than his because it satisfies something here. But he says, with men, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. We spend time, energy, making resolutions, promises that are tied to the soul and its influence of our body. We listen to sermons, we cross off our list and our devotional thing, and we come up with plans on what we can do to manage our soul. That's called soul management. What God offers you and I, because we are citizens of heaven and we are not from here, is that he offers us soul transformation. You see, when he came and he became our savior, our spirit was, was saved. But our soul area is not yet. That means a progressive sanct sanctification. The soul, in a sense, is our will, our emotions, and our heart, all right, and our mind. That whole area needs to be saved. It needs to be sanctified. But if we never let the Holy Spirit move, the life of Christ move in these areas, then we are going to manage the soul, the management of our behavior. We might be able to manage certain areas of our souls, but our soul can never deliver itself. It can never make itself better or self, set itself free. That's why when we say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to do this and this and this, and that, that's going to make me well. No, really, what makes you well is not only do you understand that he dwells there, but he's living. All you have to do is let him live. Let him have the run of your house. So if there's an area of bitterness, stop praying because God already told you. It's forgiveness, your solution. You see, all of our earthly problems will always require a spiritual answer. Because we have the whole package, we're not without. But we have to get his point of view. Stop trying to be better for God because there is nothing you can do to change the way he loves you today. So the mindset, having heavenly perspective, is really, really, truly important as we wait here for him. So I want to talk to you about a story, and I'm coming to an end. How, what kind of mindset we have will dictate what kind of future you're going to have. 
how are you going to walk this out until God calls you home, all right? If you have an earthly mindset, you see the response. It's, it's your point of view. If it's God's mindset, then it's God's point of view in every given way. So this man, there was a man locked in an unplugged walk-in freezer. Remember, it's unplugged. Imagine him, he imagined himself freezing to death and died as a result. This is what he was imagining. I'm going to freeze to death. I'm going to die. Convinced that he was going to, to die, the man began writing letters. And in the final passage, he describes how he cannot write anymore because his fingers are becoming frozen. The people who found his body and letters, letters discovered that the freezer's temperature never dropped below 50 degrees. The man pretty much psyched himself into death. A person's mind is a very powerful thing. And whoever has your mind has your future and even your today. So it is very important that we develop a heavenly mindset because it's going to be based on God's viewpoint, not on our own. He says, and he says, so like Solomon, he says, Solomon says in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks, so is he. Few places is more evident than our spiritual lives. When our minds are set on Jesus, we begin to act like Jesus. We talk like Jesus. We love like Jesus. Like the man in the freezer, we were put on, we, we, were to, we are to put our focus on where are we going for our perspective. How do we determine our actions? Our experience of Jesus' kingdom is greatly affected by the priority his kingdom takes in your daily life. Are you ready? I'm finishing, and this is the cruncher. You got to hold on to your seat. It's not pleasant. Where does, what kind of priority does God have in your life? One of the best ways to know what's primary in our life is to consider what we are willing to suffer for. What do we care so deeply about that we are willing to fight for it, sacrifice for it, and to be ridiculed for it? See, the Apostle Paul writes this in Romans 8.18, I consider that our, our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us in the future. You see, he knew he was in the now and in the not yet. He was in transition. But he wanted to make sure that his suffering didn't make him use his own point of view to make decisions. A kingdom mentality is one where we'll give up temporary satisfaction for the joy that is coming. This kind of attitude does not come naturally, and sometimes we have to choose it day by day. So are you ready to set your heart on things above so that you can experience the benefits of being a citizen of heaven? Setting your hearts on things above is about replacing our viewpoint with God's viewpoint. Where am I putting all of my sense of worth into? Is it because what Jesus said about me or is it because what other people say about me? The Greek word for set your heart is a term used frequently in scripture and really what it is is seeking, looking, and searching earnestly. We find it in the words of Jesus in Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find. But so many of us, we're not asking and seeking God's point of view. No, we're asking and seeking other people's point of view. We want to be recognized, affirmed, and it's them, it's that authority that actually drives us further. 
And it's not, it's not about God, I'm going to ask and seek, what is your viewpoint about how I'm walking with my wife today? What is your viewpoint how I'm walking with the body today? His viewpoint is that he had created the body for us as a resource so that we can be equipped to become kingdom disciples and we become disciplers. We have to replicate that. But somewhere we put our viewpoints about church and forgot about God's viewpoint. This is what it means to let Christ in every area of your house. How do we find the keys to developing a heavenly mindset? It is in God's revealed truth. Not our human perspective that we find that we find the keys of living victoriously. You want to know if you have an earthly mind, if you're earthly minded or heavenly minded, ask yourself these questions, and I'm going to end with that. As a citizen of heaven, does your king have the first say in your life? Is he given full run of your house? And since he is Lord and owns everything, is his voice what you seek when you're going to make decisions? Or do you have competing voices, your own desire, selfishness, fear, pain, wound? You see, those are authorities in our lives, things that we don't want to give up because that's all we know. But if we don't remove them out of the way, then they will continue to compete with God's voice. As citizens of heaven, God wants you to be led and influenced by his voice and his voice only because he's already decided that you're more than victorious. We have a new identity. He dwells in us and he is living in us. When you start letting the life of Christ live out through you, helping you develop this heavenly mindset, you begin to experience the many benefits of this citizenship. And the first one is peace. Philippians 4, 7 says this, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now think back in the last year, 19 months. Has it been God's peace that rules your heart? You kind of have to actually go and find out what kind of response and how you've been responding and acting. This will show you if you are earthly bound or heavenly bound. And you know what? The wonderful thing about it is that if God starts today in you, then he will never stop pursuing you. Because of his covenant with you, He'll never break it. With, with the Holy Spirit, he'll never break it against you. That means he will walk with you even when you don't get it, even when you are stubborn, even when you're willful and rebellious, even when you think that you have to work hard to get something that's already yours. He doesn't want you to go to soul management because it, it doesn't work. Maintaining your flesh doesn't work. That's why when people say, well, just put a, just put a, uh, a lock on your, on your internet and you won't have to worry about pornography. No, that's just maintaining your soul. What if you start going to get why God doesn't want you to walk in pornography in the first place? Get his point of view and you'll figure it out. The reason why he doesn't want you to walk that way, he knows. It brings destruction. It creates distrust in your marriage. It breaks the intimacy bond. I can go through one thing after another. We are given the power and the privilege of exiting the world's flawed value system and living for eternity. 
because the world and its desire will pass away. But whoever does the will of God will live forever. Many of us are not living as we should. And we're stuck in trying to make this Christian walk work. How's that working for you? Really, unless you have a heavenly perspective, you get God's point of view in anything that's happening and you follow through and obey it, then you will actually never experience that freedom that comes with the life of Christ in you. Yes, we can bring management to our life. Yes, we could steward our lives better. All of those things are good. But ultimately, if we're not saying yes to God's point of view, then we will always fail because we are stuck in our own point of view. Does that, you guys are really serious today. You're quiet. Did you have a hard time pressing in as I was speaking? Okay, that's one. That's good. See, that's why he encourages us to have that heavenly mindset. Because the more you set yourself up according to this, the more people will see Jesus reflected. You see, your wives are probably disconnected, probably feeling unloved, not listened to, not because you're not there, but because somewhere in your life, you've already made it about your point of view, not God's point of view. See, when I have to actually talk to my husband about something that is reflective of not Christ, because that's what we have to do, we're helpmates, the one thing that I appreciate about my husband is that he always goes on his walk after we talk. And the reason I know I appreciate that because right, what he's doing right now, he's trying to get God's point of view. By the time he gets back home, I know it because when he yields to God's point of view, he starts responding to me differently. It's vice versa for me as well, beloved. Getting God's point of view for life situations is the key of living in that now and not yet, the in-between. Until Jesus comes back, let's develop that heavenly mindset. I'm gonna ask the worship to come up. And really, truly, I don't even know if I'm gonna ask you to sing. No, you know, you know, just, you know, I felt that many of you were out of sync today. There was an agitation in the spirit. Now I know, trust me, I was supposed to get up at four and my alarm never rang. So I got up at 10 after six. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was out of sync. And I had a point of view thinking if I get up early enough, I'll just finish what God wants me to do. But you see, God had another plan. You see, when those things happen, I really go back to, oh, okay, you permitted this in the first place. So either I'm going to go and try to find my point of view again or actually stick to the, to the plan. God, you can do this through me With or without any help. All you need me to do is to get out of the way. I hope that I was, I was able to get out of the way today and tell you that when you do get a heavenly mindset, it will change your marriage. It will change your do things in your workplace. Beloved, God's point of view has to be obeyed because he's your king. When we don't honor this, we perish. Remember? But the perishing is not just about us. It's about the ones we love as well. And God grieves as much as I'm grieving today. He probably grieves a whole lot 
because he gave you the whole package. Stop managing things you shouldn't be managing. Run to the Father. Get his point of view. This is what I want you to do right now. I need you to go to God and say, God, if I look at my life just in the last several months, you are not part of it. And you're not mad. That's the wonderful thing about it. No, when he calls us home, when he awakens our self-dependence and our self-reliance, he says, come home, beloved. Let me show you my point of view that will give you victory and power to move through all the barriers in your life. If you're walking in fear today, remember, it has a voice. If you're walking in selfishness, it has a voice. If you're walking in panics and stress and anxiety, it has a voice. And if that voice usurps God's voice in your life, then you will decide according to it. And what you, you're learning for, yearning for, the longing of healing and restoration, it won't happen. God is God. We need to get up, pick up our mat, and start walking with his point of view. If your wife is sharing with you of her great distress or she's struggling, please, beloved, dwell with understanding. If you, wife, are having a hard time to trust your husband, go and go to God because you know what? Never does God ask someone to do something so I can be free. It is helpful. Oh, I love it when somebody walks in forgiveness with me. But what happens if that person never walks in forgiveness? Does that mean I stay bound because they decide not to get God's perspective? Absolutely not. In the here and now, I can live in the things that God has given us today. I tell you this day, beloved, we have to stop working, walking her earthly bound. When we have our mindset set on this, then we will choose and decide things that are not for the kingdom. Start asking yourself, God, if you were really having the full run of my house, would I not love my wife better than this? Would I not pour out and sacrifice for my children when I'm tired? Would I not understand my husband when he has a day off and he's just like totally not on sync? Would I not be able to walk with people graciously and lovingly? I, I've decided just for me personally, I want the life of Christ to have full measure of my house. And so every time I'm always asking God, okay, what's your point of view on this one? God, what is it that you want me to do? And a lot of times it goes straight to what I see, the behavior. God says, no, move back. I need to show you what I want to do. In the last three weeks, I've been per given permission to go at the center, the addiction center, to bring hot topics. I want to share something with you because every time I went, I felt a presence. I felt something that was actually barriers that I was experiencing. And I could have made it about that and just do what I thought I did. Because, you know, again, I, I love teaching, so I could do that all night long. But it wasn't what God wanted. He said, Mona, you can't do this. I don't need you. I don't need your, your talent. I need you to let me live through you. Oh, okay. The first thing I did when I got out of the car, okay, God, how am I going to do this? And the first thing I went to is my go-to, to teaching. So a few weeks ago, I'm going to teach, and it was like, blank. 
blank, cricket, cricket. And God said, sit down. <laughs> sit down. God started telling me, you're not letting me live through you. As soon as I let go of all that I thought I needed to do, my viewpoint, and I just rested enough to let him show me, things started happening. I had this one young man that kept on telling me, don't pray for me. I said, I'm going to pray for all of you. Don't pray for me. And I'm going, what is wrong with this? What's going on? To find out really truly that actually he worships Satan instead of God. And the wonderful thing is that God was able to let me actually love this man. And I talked about the love of God and the grace of God this Friday. And this man said, can you bring me a Bible? Guys. See, when we get out of the way, he comes into play. Oh, I like that. When we get out of the way, he comes into play. And it's that that people need to see right now. And I have to purposely, intentionally do it over and over and over again because I am full of myself. It is what it is. And that's why God said, Mona, you'll never be enough for what I've called you to. But what is impossible for you will be possible for me if you just let me do it. Is that where you are today? God, because of my fear, I don't let you do it. Because of my control issue, I don't let you do it. Because of my needs, I don't let you do it. Today is about repentance. It's about honestly asking God, what have I done? Instead of getting your point of view, I got mine. And I'm living according to my point of view. No wonder nobody sees Jesus. No wonder nobody's asking about Jesus when you're around. Have you ever asked yourself that? It's because they can't see him. But when you start getting his point of view and asking him to come, take, take the full house today. Show me how to do this. Something miraculous starts happening. I want you to stand. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. Jesus. We have not searched for those hidden pearls, God. That hidden treasure, Lord, has been there all along. So God, we first come to you, Lord, humbly. Recognize, Lord, that we could never do this Christian walk in our own strength. It was always about letting your son's life live it out for us. God, for that, I'm asking you forgiveness today. God, forgive me for my arrogance my pride, my rebellion, the stubbornness of my soul. I'm asking you, God, that you impart in me wisdom and understanding in all the areas of my life, individually, my family life, my marriage, and in society. 
God, I want to bring your kingdom forward. But God, I've been in the way. God, I'm asking God to restore the holes that I've created in my life. Fill them up, God, as you say in Joel 2, that you will restore what the canker worm is eaten because our, of our flesh response to so many of what's going on, to many things that are going on in our lives. God, I choose your perspective, Lord, when it comes to my children, my grandchildren, my daughter-in-law, my husband, me going anywhere in the society, God, wherever you place me, let me seek those great treasures first. Let me get your point of view so that when I speak, it will be someone else speaking, someone else loving through me, someone else being compassionate. Oh, God, we've been so consumed for many reasons. I'm asking God for an open heaven, Holy Spirit, Breathe upon us right now as we lay down these things, as we recognize and confess that we really truly don't know what it is to have this heavenly mind. But God, we want it. Oh God, we want it today. God, we want it today, God. Move heaven for us this day, Lord. Make a shift happen in our hearts where we understand that you dwell in us, but you also live in us. Oh, God, we thank you for the wonderful work that you've started this day with this message. But we ask that you would continue to press upon each and every one of us who's heard this message today to always get your point of view. Even though it takes time to hear you, let us not ever give up. Let us resolve and purposely seek you and wait for you because our hope is only in you this day. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. I want to thank you for coming out today. And I believe we'll do part three with somebody else coming to preach. I said a special guest, and it's my husband. So I just... <laughs> Uh, he's preaching next week. Thank you for joining us. Please remember you are not alone, uh, not just because Christ is in you, but we are here as your church family. Go with the blessing of the Lord in his presence this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Have a wonderful day.